You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Oh, Heavenly Father, you so richly, richly bless us. Um, we are stiff-necked, uh, recalcitrant, recidivistic, um, so many things, and yet you graciously pursue us in the gift and the person of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Be in the midst of us, and as we reflect on your call to live in relationship with you and one another, uh, direct our thoughts, direct our words that we might ultimately, at the end of the day, hear from you, uh, and that your living word, Jesus, would be imprinted on our heart, we pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit. All this we ask and offer now in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've been walking through, this is, you know, it's funny, this is the final um, the final Sunday, as I said, and this isn't some sort of false modesty. This is like, no, seriously, haven't even begun to scratch the surface of all that uh, Bonhoeffer has to offer us in this uh, classic exploration of faith and community, as it's described, uh, Bonhoeffer's life together, and really encourage you to get it um, and, and to get it and to read it, um, is, is the encouragement that I, that I would give. And it's it's dense in a good way. It's dense not in the fact that it's um, inscrutable. It's just dense in the sense of there's there, there's so much that he has to say uh, on on every page. And so I, I mean, again, I find it sort of wonderfully engaging and challenging because you, you know you uh, you don't fly through it. Um, everything he says um, has has import, and we've reflect on we've reflected on some different things. And I, again, I, I just thought. Community is, is an important thing to reflect on, period. But particularly um, in, our, in our moment uh, at the Advent, in our moment societally, um, community, is, um, community is challenging. And yet it's, it's a great gift of God given to us, um, the, the, people of, the people of God. Um, and um, it's something also, of course, that um, COVID in many ways has robbed us of um, over the past uh, year and a half. And so uh, I think it's a healthy thing on which to reflect its its importance. Uh, I was, we were just sort of chatting beforehand. I've just returned. I had um, an opportunity. Charleston Wilson, who sort of discerned a call while he was here at the Advent and, and then went on to seminary, and it was his celebration of new ministry at Redeemer um, Sarasota. And um, he was kind enough to invite me to come and, and to be the preacher for his celebration of new ministry, and that was on uh, Thursday, and it was great to see. It was a, a lively um, community. They're they're incredibly um, excited about their ministry together. Um, just uh, again, a, a tremendous um, community. And uh, as I preached, I shared with Charleston a quote from Karl Barth, and I'm about to share it um, with with all of us in just a moment. And it's it's wonderful because I think it begins to express some of the things that I hope for us to engage um, today. One of the last things I'm going to talk about um, today is um, uh, Bonhoeffer's encouragement to us and Bonhoeffer's invitation to us to, to confess to one another. Um, and if you're anything like me, when you hear that, you think, nope. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's a lovely, we'll, we'll nod and never do that. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's but, but, but in confession to one another, what, what he's talking about is, is not something sort of uh, ritualistic or arcane in any way, but he, he, it's basically an invitation to the community of faith to believe the gospel. 
Um, and not only for a community of faith to believe the gospel, but, but for a community of faith um, to share with one another the power um, of the gospel. Basically, it's an invitation to not fake it. It's an invitation to not hide. It's an invitation to be honest. And, and part of his um, joy and freedom in encouraging that is, is the realization uh, of the nature and the work of Jesus Christ. Um, just the gracious, phenomenal sufficiency of the nature and the work of Jesus Christ, but also the the, the tremendous um, that we're, that that none of us can stand on our own merits. That every last one of us uh, is a sinner in need of God's grace. So, so when he, we talk about confession today, and when he encourages us to confess to one another, in some ways, what he's inviting us to do is to jo- enjoy the freedom of our Christianity uh, and to not be lonely and to not be isolated because one of the things he notes rightly is that we can enjoy um, you know fellowship together um, on Sunday mornings we can enjoy um, common prayer with one another we can enjoy common worship with one another and still be incredibly lonely uh, we can we can do all of those things together and enjoy uh, enjoy uh, a Christian fellowship but what can I'll read a, a, it's an extended quote in just a minute but he says but we can miss the uh, we can basically miss the um, miss the blessed community of sinners, and and what he means by that again is that ability not to hide. Um, so to come together, yes, for corporate worship, to come together um, for corporate um, prayer, um, to come together for fellowship. But there is the tendency in doing that, of course, where we all have our you know uh, our best Christian face on, uh, and so it's the invitation to actually. <laughs> Get below that and, and enjoy the freedom because he says, and, and I'll read to from in just a minute as well, in John 20, if you remember, Jesus appears to the disciples and they are behind locked doors, we're told, for fear of the Jews. They are afraid, understandably, that what happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. Um, and if you remember, as Jesus um, appears to them, uh, I'll, I'll ask you, here's your, you know, Here's your warm-up question for today. Um, when Jesus appears to them, what does he say to them? Peace be with you. Be not. Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. He does not say, shame on you. Um, he, he does not say, I'm very disappointed. Um, he, he doesn't say, I, I knew this was coming. Uh, no, he speaks words of gracious restoration. He said, you know what? I knew this was coming all along. Uh, yeah, you, you guys aren't a mystery to me. Um, I, I'm not shocked um, that you behave the way that you behave. But he speaks that word. He says, peace be with you. But then, and I've always thought this was so incredible, because sometimes in our lives, in our relationships, um, we reach a place perhaps of, of forgiveness, um, but it doesn't necessarily go beyond that. Uh, and I, and I'm, no, I'm no master uh, up here. I, I can think about certain people in my life with whom I have forgiveness, but, but I don't trust them. <laughs> like, I've, you know, I've, I've forgiven them. And I, there's, I'm sure there are people out there that say, you know, Craig Smalley, I've forgiven them, but I don't trust them. Um, so again, this is something that applies to all of us. See, I mean, sometimes you have those relationships in your life. Well, yes, uh, there's forgiveness, but there's not really a whole lot of hanging out going on. Um, you're not getting together um, for Thanksgiving with, with one another. Uh, but there is, uh, I mean, there is a certain amount where, peace and healing and reconciliation happen uh, in our lives. Well, we know it. If, if God can walk, if God can raise the dead, 
If God can raise the dead, he can bring healing and restoration in our lives. I don't think that's a stretch. Um, if, if he can say to dead people, get up, Lazarus, come out, um, then I think it's not a stretch to say that he can bring peace and healing and reconciliation in our lives and our relationships. And, and yet, um, there's also some places in our lives where perhaps they're only so healed this side of the Jordan. Um, there, 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 there's, there's, there's healing, uh, and there's a beautiful preview, um, but, but it won't begin to compare to the complete work uh, that we'll experience on the other side of the Jordan. But Jesus says, peace be with you. And that's a gracious word. It's a forgiving word. It's a restorative word, but he goes beyond that. And that's one of the things I've always thought was so incredible about that passage. I mean, again, it's one thing to be forgiven, but then that's sort of the extent of it. But Jesus not only forgives them, but he commissions them. So it's not just forgiveness. It's, it's a word of commissioning. He forgives them and he restores them and entrusts this to them. And that, that's dramatic. I mean, that, that's, that goes uh, infinitely beyond simply forgiveness. And, and what is it? I'll ask you and you can chime in uh, or not. Um, what, yeah, what is, it, what is it he tells them? He says, go, I'm, I'm sending you. Go, I am sending you. Uh, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Um, and what he is giving them is the ministry of the gospel, the, the proclamation of the gospel to one another. And one of the things that Bonhoeffer talks about and, and confessing to one another, what Bonhoeffer in his commentary on that says, in that moment, Jesus creates the church. He says, in that moment, Jesus um, creates the church. And, and he talks about how when, when we confess um, to our brother, when we confess to our sister, when we receive that word of the gospel in response for them, that, that we're receiving the, the absolution of God. Jesus says, you know, go. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. I mean, obviously, ultimately, at the end of the day, God's the final judge. I mean, you and I don't retain sins um, to some degree. Thanks be to God. We're not the final judge um, and jury. Uh, but in that message of the proclamation of the gospel, we, we are given that power and the, offer, the offering, the ability to extend that power um, to one another. But again, back to this uh, uh, 30 minutes later, back to this Bart quote um, that, I, that I mentioned to you that I, was going to, that I was going to share with you. Because one of the things that Bonhoeffer, and a, a real gift about Christian community when we begin to experience it is, again, um, the opportunity, I don't say this in a condemnatory way, uh, the, the opportunity um, to be freer. The opportunity given us uh, in, in the Christian faith to be freer. And, and, and part of that being freer is, yes, knowing um, the, the tremendous grace and mercy of God. And part of that being freer is recognizing that, you know what? Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're all flawed uh, and, and we all fall short. And there's that ability given to us to more deeply love one another. So here it is. It was Karl Barth in 1962. He was delivering the Warfield Lectures at Princeton Seminary. And, and after the lecture, there was an opportunity for the seminarians to ask him questions. And, and one of the seminarians asked him, uh, Dr. Bart, what advice would you give to a young pastor today? Yeah, what, 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 what advice would you give to me? And I think this is priceless. Um, 
He said, what one thing um, would you say is necessary in this day and age to pastor a church was the question. And this is Bart's response. Ah, so big a question. That is the whole question of theology, you see. I should say, I, I hope that during your studies, you have visited yourself earnestly with the message of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And not only of this message, but also of the object and the subject of this message. Again, wonderfully, Bart's sort of saying, what's the object and the subject um, of the New Testament? And of course, your answer is Jesus. Uh, that's, that's the object and the subject uh, of this message. And I would ask you, are you trained to visit not only yourself now, but a congregation with what you have learned out of the Bible and of church history and dogmatics and so on? Having to say something, having to say that thing, and this is great. And then the other question, this is what I'm uh, moving toward right now. And then the other question, are you willing now to deal with humanity as it is? Humanity in this 20th century with all its passions, sufferings, errors, and so on. Do you like them, these people? Not only the good Christians, but do you like people as they are? People in their weaknesses, do you like them? Do you love them? And are you willing to tell them the message that God is not against them, but for them? That's the one real thing in pastoral service, and that is the question for you. If you go into ministry to do that work, pray earnestly. You'll do difficult work, um, but beautiful work. And he goes on, but if I had to begin again anew for myself as a young pastor, I would tell myself every morning, well, here I am, a very poor creature. But by God's grace, I have heard something. I will need forgiveness of my sins every day. And I will pray, God, that you will give me the light, this light shining in the Bible and this light shining into the world in which humanity is living today uh, and then do my duty. I think that's so powerful. And again, what uh, Bonhoeffer is getting the, the opportunity for freedom to not be alone, um, to, to love people that we are in relationship with, um, to love them as they are. Uh, to love them as they are. I can remember years ago um, speaking to a woman and, uh, uh, you know, she was, she was well into her 60s and she was saying, you know, I wish my mom had loved me like my aunt. Um, you know, I wish, I wish my mom had loved me um, like, like my aunt, but my, my mom always wanted me to be something else uh, was, was the feeling that she had. Again, you know, this is, you know, well well into life. And of course, there's a part of us that wants to sing the Frozen song, you know, let it go. Um, you know, it's like, you know, she's, you know, she's, 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 she's gone. Um, but, but we know it just doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, those, those sorts of things leave a, can leave a real mark on us. You know, we're, we're well into adulthood and those things can continue um, to plague us. Um, that person didn't love me um, for who I was. They didn't appreciate me for who I was. They wanted me to be something else. They wanted me to be something um, different. And as I, and as I, I share all that, I mean, it, it, uh, obviously there are things about us that aren't good. And so this, this call to love one another and to love people as they are, um, and, and the call to pray for one another, the call to speak the gospel to one another, isn't saying that you have to call wrong right. Um, there, there are things that we do that hurt um, and, and that hurt other people. And it, just like forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness isn't saying it's no big deal. It doesn't matter. 
I mean, forgiveness names the wrong. I mean, for, forgiveness is, is, is honest. Um, so it doesn't just say, you know, just whitewash it, pretend it doesn't matter. Um, and, and it doesn't mean, well, you just have to deal with it. I mean, forgiveness gives the opportunity for us to speak honestly to one another and to speak honestly to the situation. But forgiveness also challenges us not to live one in self-righteousness. I can't believe uh, I would never do that. Um, and it also gives us the freedom not to live in self-pity as well. Uh, I can't believe that person uh, that person did that um, to me. Um, and the reason I can address that is I know about it personally. <laughs> I mean, I often live there, so this is not this is not theoretical. This is something that I understand quite quite personally. But also, one of the things about uh, in Christian community recognize and loving one another uh, in the midst of our flaws um, and our uh, faults. One, it actually gives us the opportunity to really love each other um, because otherwise we don't stand a chance uh, of, uh, of loving one another. Um, but it, it gives us that opportunity um, to live in relationship um, with one another. But also, if you remember earlier, one of the things that Bonhoeffer talked about was what he called the wish dream. The wish dream where we where we project our wish on the church and want it to be something other than what it is. We want it to be something of our own creation. And we project that wish dream also on other people. This is the way that they should be. Um, this is the way that they should act. And of course, then <laughs> inevitably they don't. Um, we're disappointed um, and, and we blame them, which of course is always very fruitful. Um, that works out, it's always worked out really well in my life. Um, and, or, or, you know, we're disappointed in God. Uh, and we blame God. You know what, God? You didn't act as you were supposed to act. Um, this isn't the way that it's supposed um, to be. And so uh, one of the things that uh, Bonhoeffer wonderfully goes after is this idea of the wish dream that we project um, on the church, but also the way that we do damage to one another and we project it on one another. So again, this invitation to confession, to confess um, to one another, not just generically, but specifically is an, is, is an invitation to freedom, but it's also an invitation um, to, to love one another as we as we are, um, uh, as uh, as as we are, not um, not sort of a generic um, theoretical sinners, um, but but as but as uh, actual sinners. And so let me read to you. And again, it's um, it's a long quote, but uh, one of the problems I find in, in, with this book and quoting is I just want to read you kind of the chapter. Um, and so this is, again, this is kind of a little long, so um, just remember, um, in light of what I've been saying today, um, Craig is a poor, flawed creature as well, so um, bear with me as, as I read this to you. And, it, and he begins with James, which um, Wes has just preached on a moment ago. For those of you who are nine, and for those 11, um, he will bring a word from James this morning. So Bonhoeffer writes this, Confess your faults to one another. Uh, he who is alone with this sin is utterly alone. It may be that Christians, notwithstanding corporate worship, common prayer, and all their fellowship and service, may still be left to their loneliness. The final breakthrough to fellowship does not occur because, though they have fellowship with one another as believers and as devout people, they do not have fellowship as the undevout as sinners. The pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not um, be sinners. 
Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. The fact is we are sinners. So there he begins. Again, that's sort of that, that importance in the invitation. Uh, why to counter loneliness, um, to, to break loneliness? And as this quote goes on, one of the things we'll talk about in a minute. Well, let me ask you this. I'll sort of break from the quote for a moment. What is one of the chief tools that our enemy and the devil uses against us? Uh, that's a rather broad question. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pride. Yeah, oh, amen. Pride. Um, doubt. Doubt. Yeah, pride. Doubt. Yeah, he's he's often described as as the accuser. So yeah, just sort of insinuates. Did God really say? Um, is is how he uh, approaches Adam and Eve. Yeah, pride. Doubt. Discouragement. Discouragement. Abs- absolutely. Lust, and as Westminster, you know, lust is lust is sexual, but it's also it's lust for whatever it might be for, for attention, for for power, for recognition, for comfort, you know, what whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, guilt, absolutely. And one thing, these are all these are all great, and, and clearly we could go on for a while on this one. Um, but you know, one of the things that that our enemy does, and again, this is why the opportunity to be not theoretical sinners, but be real sinners with the real Savior and to be real with one another, I would, I would contend that one of the greatest ways that the enemy um, works against us and one of the ways in which he is most effective is he isolates us, is, is he isolates us. Through, through any of the, through, and, and any of those could be the means by which he, he isolates us. Uh, and so when we're when we're isolated, um, we're we're most susceptible. Um, we're most susceptible when we're when we're isolated. Um, and he's able to uh, accuse, and he's able to 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 fan the flames of whatever that particular pride or envy or anger or or, or lust might be. He's able to fan the flames of our discouragement and our disappointment and our despair. Uh, and, and all of those things, one of the chief things that our enemy uses is isolation. Uh, because in isolation, we're, we're weakened. It's just like, I mean, good grief. You know, here's one of the things that I'm, <laughs> this happened to me recently, um, and I was just really um, wrestling with some stuff, and I was, I was talking with some friends about it, and I said, you know, the, the, the dumb thing is, uh, the devil's not subtle uh, oftentimes. It's like the same thing he does to me again and again. And even as he's doing it, I know exactly what he's doing, and I'm just... At the same time, I'm just getting, I'm stewing. Uh, it's like, you know, it's right here. I know exactly what he's doing, and yet he's being effective. Um, and like, this is ridiculous. Um, and again, this is what, what, what Bonhoeffer is, is offering us. But yeah, our, our enemy likes to isolate us. It's just like predators. Um, predators isolate, whether that be animals, you know, on the savanna, uh, or, you know, sadly, I mean, predators in, in human life as well. Uh, the, the, the goal is, the goal is isolation, and the goal um, is is separation, and so that's part of what Bonhoeffer is is getting at here is the opportunity to overcome um, that isolation and that separation, and then he goes on um, to to begin to praise. But it is the grace of the gospel which is so hard for the pious to understand. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's the grace of the gospel which is so hard for the pious to understand that it confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great, desperate sinner. 
Now come as the sinner that you are to God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you, a sacrifice, a work. He wants you alone. Let me pause there for a moment. Now that, that's, that's one of the great um, heresies, I think, that we often, um, that we often preach to ourselves, is, is, is God wants me to do something first. Uh, God wants me to make some change in my mind or my life or my, or my heart that I might begin to approach him. And, and why this is so wonderfully spring, it says you can't approach him. <laughs> he comes to you. You can't uh, approach him. You can, you can muster up all your will in the world, but you cannot on your own. And, and that is the message uh, of the cross, of course, is that Jesus who makes a way to us and Jesus who reconciles us to God, who atones in a way that you and I can never, you know, you notice, um, uh, who is the one that goes for the temptation in the wilderness? It's not you and me, it's Jesus. Uh, that's right. Jesus is able to accomplish what we can't accomplish. Uh, he's able to go um, into the wilderness to be isolated and to overcome uh, the work of the enemy, to overcome the work of the devil in a way that you and I can't. Um, and so uh, it's this wonderful uh, message that don't wait till you have something to offer. Well, that, uh, that magnificent 15th chapter of Luke and in the 15th chapter, if you remember, Jesus tells three stories, um, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Uh, and uh, the lost sheep uh, doesn't suddenly become enlightened um, and make its way back. Um, the shepherd goes and gathers the sheep, puts it over his shoulders, comes back uh, and, and, and celebrates uh, the lost coin. Um, let me ask you, do lost coins find themselves? No, uh, the, uh, the woman who lost the coin turns the whole house upside down uh, until that coin is found. And of course, the lost son, what we call the prodigal son, comes home. And as he's coming home, what is he doing? Do you remember? What is he doing on his way home? Well, let me just say this. We've all been there. Um, and it's just a matter. And, and you know, he's practicing his, he's practicing his speech. Um, that's, that's what we've, we've all, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't care to a, to a parent, to a friend, to a spouse, to whomever. We've all practiced that speech before as we're beginning to make our way. The, the prodigal son is returning home uh, and he's practicing his, he's practicing his speech. And one of the things, you know, of course, it's just beautiful and dramatic in any number of ways. But one of the things you know, societally in that particular time and place, you know, fathers didn't run. Um, fathers, yeah, fathers didn't run. You know, it was very much a sort of a, an, an honor society. But what does the father do? The father runs um, to the son. Uh, the father runs to the son. And before the son begins to rehearse his stupid speech, uh, the father embraces him. Before he gets his lame speech out, well, you know, this is, here's, you know, why maybe you can uh, know. Before any of that, the father runs out and he, and he embraces him and he gathers him um, in his uh, in his embrace. Such is the nature and the character of God. We don't wait till we have a sufficient work or sacrifice to offer God before we come to him. Uh, we, we <laughs> he wants you alone, Bonhoeffer says. My son, give me thine heart. Proverbs twenty three twenty six. God has come to you to save the sinner. Be glad. This message is liberation through truth. You can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before men will do you no good before him. He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. 
You do not have to go on lying to yourself and your brothers as if you were without sin. You can dare to be a sinner. Thank God for that. He loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And he goes on, Christ became our brother in the flesh in order that we might believe in him. In him, the love of God came to the sinner. Through him, men could be sinners and only so could they be helped. <laughs> let me read that. Let me read that again. Through him, men could be sinners and only so could they be helped. Uh, I, I mentioned, I think, I think it was an adventure article. I, I shared this in recently. Robert Capon said, God can do nothing with your life. But he can do everything with your death because he's a God of death and resurrection. Um, and that's so that's what he's saying. It's like, you know what? Uh, as a sinner, you can be helped. As someone who's not a sinner, you can't be helped because you're you're, you're living in, in, in lies and deception and, and, and in your own power and in your own pride and in your own arrogance. Um, all sham was ended in the presence of Christ, the misery of the sinner and the mercy of God. This was the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. It was in this truth that his church was to live. Therefore, he gave his followers the authority to hear the confession of sin and to forgive sin in his name. Let me ask you, as you hear that, uh, does that make you a little uneasy? It, 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 it makes me a little uneasy. Um, it, it, it sounds a little presumptuous, doesn't it? It's like, well, I, you know, I, I, I can't do that. Um, and and what he's talking about, we, we, we don't do it from ourselves. What it is, is it's speaking the gospel to one another is what he's saying. Speaking the message of Jesus um, to one another. It's not, you know, uh, insert your name here, have heard this and I've weighed all this and now I pronounce. It's, it's speaking the word of the gospel um, to one another. And he goes on um, and, and he says this, um, uh, I'll go back. Therefore, he gave his followers the authority to hear the confession of sin and to forgive sin in his name. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That's that John 20. When he did that, Christ made the church and in it, our brother, a blessing to us. Now our brother stands in Christ's stead. Before him, I need no longer to dissemble. Before him, alone in the whole world, I dare to be the sinner that I am. Hear the truth of Jesus Christ and his mercy rules. Christ became our brother in order to help us. Through him, our brother has become Christ for us and the power and authority of the commission Christ has given to him. Our brother stands before us as the sign of the truth and the grace of God. He has been given to us to help us. He hears the confession of our sins in Christ's stead, and he forgives our sins in Christ's name. He keeps the secret of our confession as God keeps it. When I go to my brother to confess, I am going to God. So in the Christian community, when the call to brotherly confession and forgiveness goes forth, it is a call to the great grace of God in the church. Well, let me ask you all that. That's... Um, uh, that's uh, uh, that's that that's a that's a lot said. Any any initial reactions to that? You know, when I read the book and read that message, it is so thought thought provoking, mm -hmm. and it, it creates an obligation. Mm -hmm. But it also seems to open the door to a great deal of freedom, in that you can hear a confession 
And you're not required. You're not required to make a judgment on it. Yeah. That's not what you're supposed to do. Right. Right. It's, it's sort of like, and I hate to use this term, you're sort of the vessel, as it were. Yeah. Absolutely. In that sense, it should make it easier for us all to participate in it. Mm-hmm. If we can understand and accept what he's saying there yeah. in fullness and truth. Right, right. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's, uh, we, we're, we're called to be um, vessels. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to know that the all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us. So it's recognizing that we're the word jars of clay, uh, and and yet we have the power of this all-surpassing message of the gospel that goes through you and me, the jars of clay to one another. Uh, yeah. So that, I think the vessel is a is a perfect analogy, um, a way to speak so biblically. Coffee. Um, yes. Any 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 other thoughts? I know that's kind of broad. It's, uh, I, I think it's a, one of the wonderful things, and again, in, in taking up this and the opportunity for, for us to, to live uh, a few weeks with this, and again, hopefully to encourage you to, to read it and to reflect on it, is it unleashes tremendous power of the gospel in our lives uh, individually and corporately. Uh, and, I, and I think it's some uh, challenging in the best sense. Um, uh, calls us to reflect and to think about this. And, and again, to think about uh, as, as it wonderfully shines a light that we might see the freedom that's available to us, the freedom that we so often miss out on um, as, as Christians. Uh, I want to share uh, kind of where this kind of uh, uh, an example of this, of this happening um, and, uh, and, and the power uh, of confession uh, and and the freedom and the life and and the wholeness. I mean, we all I could tell a lot of stories. Um, if you're like me, I, I just think about and I've shared these over the years in sermons, et cetera, with my uh, mercy and forgiveness that I've received from my my mother and my father um, over the years. Um, and usually, my confession came only when I had no other option. <laughs> it's like it was it was coming out. So it's like you know, and, and I, that's. That's kind of often how we operate. Um, I've, I'm only confessing because I have no other option but to, um, you know, here, here, here it is. Uh, but, but, but the freedom, and it's interesting how we so often, um, one of the reasons that Bonhoeffer encourages us to confess to one another is to some degree, and he doesn't say that it has to be this way. Wonderfully, he says, look, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that this is the only way um, that you can do it, and I think it's a good and healthy thing that we that we speak directly to God um, in in our prayers and in our petitions and in our pleas and our confessions and every um, every fa- every facet of it um, that we uh, that that we do that. But there is yes this um, freedom that we might. But he mentions that in that we can still we can still really hide. Even though we can't hide with God, uh, I know I'm not always honest in my prayers. <laughs> uh, there, there still can be an element of hiding, uh, of of hiding in them. Um, well, this is this is the final, uh, this is the final story today of what the the the, the power of this. And I, whenever I hear this, I, I, it just chokes me up. There was a a gentleman. 
Theodore Parker Ferris was his name, and he was rector of Trinity Church um, in Boston. And um, he one evening he was having dinner with this um, young man that had gotten um, into significant trouble uh, and had actually gotten discharged from the army. And his father was a particularly stern man. And so, as you might imagine, the son was anxious um, about speaking to his father about what had happened. But of course, again, it was one of those, it's like, it was going to, it was going to happen. Um, the news was, the news was going to come. And the son was recounting this, um, this fear uh, of approaching his father, whom he uh, believed to be especially stern. Uh, and the, the, the challenge of the reality of what he had done and no ability um, to hide it. So I, I read now, the son said that when he had been in the army, he'd made this mistake and, and had received a dishonorable discharge and, and what he had done had disgraced, uh, surely had disgraced his family. And he was, of course, uh, prepared for his father's um, outrage. And so he decided, this is a, this is a while ago, um, he wired his father uh, a telegram um, to tell him what had happened. Um, that's kind of how I like to confess, by telegram. Uh, it's just kind of like as, as, as distant as can possibly be. So he wired his father of a, a, a telegram uh, to tell his father what, what had happened. Again, this stern, imperious father. Uh, and he received a response from his father. And the response from his father had three lines. I will stand by you no matter what happens. I will be there in the morning. Remember whose you are. I will stand by you no matter what happens. I will be there in the morning. Remember whose you are. Bonhoeffer's encouragement isn't to make us uncomfortable, but it's to tap into the phenomenal power and the nature and the gracious character of God. Uh, the opportunity for you and for me in, in ways which are freeing, uh, in ways which are joyful, in ways which are gracious, in, in ways which bring life um, to our life, to be people who are honest sinners with one another, who hear the word of the gospel um, shared with one another uh, again and again, that we might remember um, our, our Father who will be there, uh, our Father who will be there um, for you and for me, uh, who is not, uh, whose character we so often misjudge. And he's made his character known to us in the gift of Jesus, his Son, and his cross and his resurrection. There's no doubt about his love and his grace and his pursuit um, of you and of me. And in that confession, we have that opportunity to remember whose we are uh, and to experience the freedom. Yes, coffee. I think remember who you are was one of Bishop Carpenter's favorite. Mm. Yes. You heard that frequently. Yes. Yes. Remember, I'm looking, I've got a pray dash. Um, uh, remember whose you are. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we give you thanks then. The gift of Jesus, your son, you, uh, you claim us. Uh, in your precious blood which was shed for us and your in your passion you have made your passion for us known i pray that the work and the truth of this would be unleashed upon us by the holy spirit in our hearts and in our community that we might be genuine sinners with one another and in so 
doing, we might experience the phenomenal grace which is made available to us in Jesus, your Son, in whose name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.